So I have to ask you, I got an email from somebody from GTT named Brian. Brian B. Bo? I didn't get a last name. He just said Brian. So he said okay. for this show, it sounds like we have to go, well, because Rob is Robin O. No. We have to go Steve is Steve-O. Albert is Alberto. <laughs> Kim is Kim-O. And I'm Ryan O. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, given, given that it's uh, St. Patrick's Day today in uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. That's right. Maybe, maybe we should put it on the other other side. Oh, Kim and yeah. O Albert? Exactly. It's Alberto Ruel. Yeah. Ruello. Yeah. Steve O'Barkley. O'Barkley. <laughs> sounds like a chocolate bar. Rob Omino. Ro mm. <laughs> That's better. It's getting closer. To and of course, Ryan O'Fleury. Ryan O'Fleury. Ryan O'Fleury. Yeah, that sounds, oh, that sounds perfect right there. This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Banter, banter. Uh, my name is Rob Minot. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Howdy. Uh, Mr. Steve Barkley. Hello. And a couple of very special guests. Ryan, you want to do the intros? We have from the Getting Together with Technology group, we have Albert Uwell and Kim Kilpatrick. Hi there. Hello. Hello. And Ryan, so tell us, Ryan, what are we gonna, what are we talking about today? Well, those of you who will be listening to the show later in the week, we just wrapped up CSUN, the technology conference in Anaheim this year, and so we're doing a wrap up. Our own Steve Barkley was down there, yes, as indeed. well as Albert and Kim. So we're looking forward to hearing what was shown. Yeah, that's right. So we haven't really actually even sat down amongst us uh, to talk about. Uh, what was there with Steve yet? So this is all going to be kind of new for me and Ryan as well. Yep. So me and Ryan kind of held down the home front while Steve was out gallivanting. No, oh, I drank a lot. Did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> but I must say, though, Rob, when I rounded the corner in one of the exhibit halls and all of a sudden I heard this, hey, what the heck are you doing here coming out of... Steve Barkley's lips. I thought, yeah, I was going to ask you the same thing. But, you know, I, I would, neither one of us knew we were both going to be there. And it was quite a surprise to hear his voice in, in the room. So, and he did say right away, you know, I wish we could have brought Ryan and Rob. They really need to be at this event. As well. <laughs> sure, he did. Wouldn't make that up. No, he did say it. No, maybe and, next uh, year. You know, it's it's he he guided me around Stevie Wonder. Oh, nice! Years. He said, "Told me Stevie was there, but we—he was all surrounded, so we couldn't." Yeah, he always is. Interact with Stevie. Well, yeah, we keep trying to get Stevie on the show. One year, one day. Well, too, the other concern about me and Ryan going is that you know we wouldn't want to create any sort of a, a mob or anything once <laughs> once uh, AT yeah. Badger boys are here oh my god oh, yeah, yeah you're be, Beatlemania <laughs> Robinomania all right. over again well I can tell you I had on my name tag the entire show that I was C-A-T slash A-T banter oh did you and um, 
I I didn't get swarmed at all. Damn it. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I don't think anybody commented on it even once. <laughs> oh, no. That's not good. No. But I was talking to um, Dave Williams, who was demonstrating for us the Canute Reader. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he has a podcast called uh, Brailcast in the UK. Mm-hmm. And yep. I said, I love your podcast. He said, Oh my gosh! I didn't think anything anyone was listening to that. <laughs> we get that every week. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just never know. Nope. Yeah, we'll get calls, and you know they'll be talking business with us, and then all of a sudden they'll also drop in. Oh, yeah, you know, incidentally, I really like, you know, like the podcast, mm-hmm. and it's always a shock. Yep. Somebody out there is listening. Yep. Okay, so Ryan, where do we start? Let's see. Well. What, why don't, why don't, well, I mean, CSUN, for those who don't know, oh, yeah, is, let's, let's is step uh, okay. the California State University Northbridge uh, Conference on Disabilities. It's huge. Um, it's one of the biggest conferences on disabilities. Uh, it is attended uh, by virtually all of the uh, big companies that do low vision and blindness. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there around augmentative communication, a little bit of stuff around physical access, but a lot of that stuff has really started to move over to the um, uh, the uh, ATIA conference in, in Florida. Okay. Um, it's, there's not as much focus on that. So this one is really becoming a lot about low vision and blindness. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's people from all over the world, different manufacturers or a bunch of ones that I'd never seen before that were there this year that, uh, had not seen in years past. Um, and there's, uh, there's some neat and cool stuff coming out. So maybe, maybe the thing to do would be to start off just, uh, asking everybody what they saw and what they were impressed by. What, what's, what's your top, uh, your top pick for CSUN? What's your game-changing tech that uh, that you really found outstanding well for me i you know i'm not uh, everybody in the blindness world and across canada who knows me knows that i'm not a braille user but i will certainly advocate and um, and scream loudly for the for access to braille in our school system and uh, and for all of us so i i went to that demonstration of the canute with uh, with Kim Kilpatrick and with um, Rebecca Jackson, who are both avid Braille users and and very staunch Braille users. And I absolutely loved sitting back, listening to them go through this Canute Braille reader, multi-line uh, Braille device, uh, because the, the, the possibilities that opened up for them, I, I, was, I was really hugely impressed with that device and, and all that it's, that is possible in the in the future with that. So that's really the, the really big st- uptake that I got from it. I, if I would have just gone and experienced that device myself, I would have thought, oh, that's really cool. You know, nine lines of Braille, it's got to be a whole lot better than just one line of refreshable Braille. Mm-hmm. But honest to goodness, experiencing it with two very avid Braille users made it magical. So I, that, that device only, you know, it got way to the top of the list because of how I experienced that. So I was appreciative. And Kim, how did you find the Braille compared to other Braille displays? It felt like sign, signage Braille. It was very crisp, very nice. It, does, it doesn't squish down like the Piazza um, Braille. The refresh sound sounded like an old cash register. You know when they generate your receipts? It kind of sounded a bit like that. It was so beautiful. I really say it, it was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen because mm. if you've used one line of Braille for a long time, you just get used to it. But once you see a calendar where you can skim down the rows of numbers, say 7, 14, 21, 28, 
you know, like a sighted person would just glance down the rows. There was Braille music with lyrics underneath. There were emojis and maps. And there was uh, books, of course, that um, I could see it for spreadsheets or tables, you know, to give you a much better impression of what was there. It was obviously instituted and tested by uh, blind people because it, it made perfect sense the way it was laid out and how it worked. Um, and it's probably, they hope, going to have a price tag of about $2,000 American, which if you know your Braille displays for um, nine lines of 40 cells, that's that's pretty uh, remarkable, really. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I hope it does. And I would want one so much, you know, for, um, it's not portable, it's big and, I mean, you can carry it around, but it's meant to be a reader and it's meant to stay, you know, on your desk. So or they're hoping in libraries or, you know, museums or places where they can just, people can use it. So would it, be, would it be approximately like the size of an iPad? No, um, it's a fair bit bigger than that. Okay. Huh? It's yeah. bigger than that. Yeah, um, I would say. A good comparison. What would you say, Steve? Like, how would you say how big? Uh, I'm just trying to think of something to relate it to um, that's around the same size. Um, an LP, vinyl record. It, it's half again as Maybe wide as an iPad, and I think it's about the same height as an iPad. Is okay. that? No, it's taller. It's, it's it? considerably it's taller. Thicker, it's thicker taller than, than, a, than an iPad. iPad. Right. It's, uh, it, it, well, heck, let's just well, let's look it up. We've, we've got access to the internet here. Let's look up the dimensions. Um, it's it it really I, I mean I was prepared to be impressed by it but I wasn't prepared to be as impressed as I was and um, it would be great if you had those guys uh, Dave and uh, and Ed on the show um, they really they're really passionate about it and they you know they're working on it and it's open source so people could develop you know things for it and 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 apps or things that work with it uh, it was really interesting too because. They have a vision of it being like a, like a printer. It's not a printer, but you say you're sitting at your desktop and you can't understand a table, and then you send that table to that device and right. you check it out on there. That's a very innovative idea. Like a lot of their ideas about it are very innovative too, what they would use it for, but also how you would go about using it. Um, yeah, and once uh, people start using it as well, you know, more and more ideas will come to light. And I think too, they they said they right now it can't be used, you know, with screen readers as a mm -hmm. as a device. But they don't say that that wouldn't be something that could happen in the future. It's just it wasn't their top priority to get it was to get the braille working and to get the you know the multi line working right. with them. Yeah, we have had so. Dave, we have had Dave on the show probably last year sometime. Yeah, we did. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, so, I was also a surprise. So it was at the APH booth, and this is a little bit controversial, but I was surprised by the lack of the orbit and the graffiti. So there's something going on there um, with orbit research group and transforming Braille group and whatever's going on that people aren't talking about, but they're obviously um, fighting or <laughs> feuding or something is happening that those have not materialized the way people had hoped they would, but the Braille Me uh, was there. So, you know, the low cost things have sort of shifted around a little bit from what we had anticipated they would do. Yeah, we'll come back to the Orbit and stuff like the Braille Me as well. Yeah. 
Okay, so I found the dimensions. Uh, it is 14 inches wide by 7 inches deep by 1 and a half inches tall. And one and a half inches tall. Yeah. Like thickness. Like yeah, thick. Oh, thickness, yeah, right. It's quite okay. thick. It's quite thick, really. Yeah. yeah. So, But uh, honest to God, I, they, why, I, why didn't I think to turn on my um, my Victor Reader stream and put it on the table when when Dave, you know, pulled up the the music score and, and was able to show you, you know, the, the music on one line, the lyrics on the next, and so mm -hmm. on. And the... Um, uh, the exuberance and the excitement with which that was received by the two testers they were their, their hands were fighting to get at the braille <laughs> <laughs> can i can i mention also tmap i think it's tmap um made out of the lighthouse for the blind in san francisco they printed off braille map for you um in about three minutes i mean i don't know what technology what printer i didn't ask them what printer they were using but uh, you ask for an address, and they look it up on, uh, I think it was on street, open street map. And it was all brailled with the streets around my house. My house was marked as a point. And you can actually buy maps from them. Um, they give you one free, so you can see what it's like. But I was really impressed with that. That was, a, that was an amazing um, thing and it i mean i know my home area but it was cool to be able to feel the grid of streets and to right. feel have them labeled in braille and have that, that that was another thing that i found very very interesting cool now did they give you any idea of when the canoe is going to be available uh it should be going to full production in may okay so that's, soon. that's their uh they're they're, they're going to have some some earlier units that they'll uh, run off the assembly line, but they're hoping to have production proper full production. Yeah, I think they're going to do it in stages, Steve. Yeah, they're they're going to produce a, a whack of them that are going to go out to all of the the distributors and and people who are going to do the the demoing of of the device, and then the second run will start to go out to actual customers. I think. So now, is it the is it the price point that really makes this device unique, or is it what it does in and of itself well both them no there's yeah. no other multi-line i haven't seen there's no other multi-line braille display and for a price point if you think about some of the 14 cell piazzo displays are about what 1500 steve like the focus and the, mm -hmm. the brilliant and um and this is 500 and or well and... no it would be more canadian so even if it was a thousand dollars more i mean that's 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 amazing that it's, you know, 360 cells or whatever it is. So, and just to be able to read freely like that on a page and just jump around on the page. Um, and, and it will leave off everywhere you go. It starts reading where you were. So if you were doing a math or a, a lyrics or music score, it will stay. Uh, yeah, it was, it was something that was, uh, that was very, and, and let's be really clear, it is not a replacement for the single line refreshable barrel display. And they, they're very, right. they say that right up front. This is a reader. Right. It doesn't have Bluetooth capability. You, you've got to save your BRF files onto a, a mem stick or an SD card and poke it in the back. And it, it's not going to replace single line refreshable. It's not a note taker. You, it's not portable. It is a reader to give you, a, you know, a, a very good access, nine lines at a time. To, to braille material, to printed material, 
um, but let's let's not start planning to give away or sell our, our braille displays. It's not going to do that. No. So wh- where do you guys really see this device taking hold? Like what, you know, is it is it education? Um, is it recreation? Is it is it office or is it pretty much everything? I, I think the biggest market for it's probably going to be education because there's there's applications where multi-line braille is really important in education, particularly in Math. you know STEM <laughs> types of types of stuff. Um, but I also see it being very popular with people who are avid braille readers, you know, because mm-hmm. you know the the potential to have books electronically delivered to this device and to be able to read them is is pretty uh pretty cool and and uh, i believe cnib is going to uh do a pilot project to try i think so uh, and i think stila i think stila is going to like get some or something as well but the other thing i can see for it too is i can see it being um important and they even mentioned this when we had the demo that it would be like um at libraries or at city hall or at museums, they would have one there at the desk and they would load it with, you know, the exhibits that were around you or the information for a mall or for a museum. And then you could load it with all of those things and have them around you, like read them, visitors could could do it. You know, you could see something, Rob, like at that at the CSUN conference itself, a few of these displays in some strategic places within the building that would say to your right is and to your left is and just, you know, ways to, to help people navigate a complex environment. Cool. Well, yeah. yeah, you know, that's that's exciting. It's it's nice to hear excitement over a Braille device for once um, yeah. instead of something like sexy, like, you know, a wearable or you know, something that's that's a service that you need to subscribe to. I'm not mentioning any names, but well, the the big thing about this is it's really changing the electronic refreshable braille paradigm. It, it, one, it's bringing it down into a price point that's affordable for a lot more people, which has been much needed, which has been hugely needed. Um, but again, the fact that it's multi-line is is a big deal. You know, multi-line displays have been done before, but um, they've always been the same technology, the piezoelectric technology, mm-hmm. and and as a result, they've been exponentially more expensive. Um, you know, this is a, a, a different Braille technology. It uses a, um, uh, I believe, an eight-sided wheel with the dots on different sides of the wheel. So it basically has an array. So it'll have 80 discs in a row. So each, each two discs makes up one Braille cell. Right. And that entire row when you refresh it, it drops. Every one of the wheels spins to the position it needs to be at to present the next line of braille, then it raises back up again and locks in place. Um, so it's slow by comparison to to uh, piezoelectric braille, um, but it uh, it takes, what, seven seven seconds, was it, to re- refresh the whole display? I, I think? think so. I think it but was also, it, well, I was reading a book with him, and he said, no Braille reader, you'd have to be like the wind to keep up. So you can refresh it at the bottom of a page and start reading. You know, as it refreshes, you can you can go down. So you wouldn't lose a lot of time if you're reading one long document. You could figure out when to press the button to refresh as you're going along, and it would, you know, populate that. So, um, 
Well, he, I, had, I, he had you guys try it, Kim. He said, while you're reading the last line of the ninth line, press the refresh button because yeah. it starts refreshing at the top and then whip up there to the top and see if you can race that thing to the bottom. You, you, <laughs> no, we couldn't. You, we, there's we no couldn't. way you'd be able to overtake the refresh rate if you push that button when you're on the last line. Right. So reading a book, I don't think would be slower. In fact, I, I was reading a book on the plane uh, with my one line braille display. And I, I thought it might even be faster just because your hands have more freedom to move. And when you press the, as you're getting to the last line, if you press forward, by the time you jump up to the top, the first line is at least there. And so I don't think it would slow you down too much in that uh, way and the loading I would say yes yeah, Steve it's maybe seven or eight seconds loading a new document or file but I mean that's not that's nothing you know that's that's fine I think yeah nice yeah all right what so else? what else okay so Kim uh, Albert stole the canoe on you because that he probably did. would have been that oh, I'm sorry Kim pick. he did the, the team app was very interesting but I I also um I was really uh not surprised, but it's kind of amazing that three of the biggest spaces in the uh, exhibit hall were taken up with Amazon, Microsoft, mm. and Google. Yep. And yeah. they all had multiple um, tables. Sony also had a table there, a big one. But this big three, and they did workshops all day long. They had rooms for mm -hmm. themselves. So that's sort of an indication of the the future you know the mainstream products becoming uh, becoming into this so much because i went over to microsoft and they wanted to talk to me about narrator because i use narrator sometimes and about braille support on narrator and they were very keen to you know to know what i thought about it and what they could do to f improve it and so really uh, those big three uh are there in the midst of it nope. and and also the lack of apple surprise well it didn't surprise me but it's almost like they need to go and do that i think they do but i don't know whether they will do it um just they were missing yeah and I, those others were there I, I thought they were there and i i went looking for them and uh wandered back and forth between the two the two different display areas trying to find them thinking it was me but yeah they they were no shows yeah i saw nothing i think they Apple did one workshop but they weren't there on mass that's so weird and i i think that's a mis actually a mistake i i'm shocked that uh, because they have better braille support than google does than android does still and i'm surprised they're not sort of um crowing that but i i guess it's not a it's not a a product thing but but i really was uh it was um great the the one product thing i really liked too and i don't remember steve you might remember the name of this company they had a brain there that when you touched it the plastic brain you touch a lobe of it and it tells you what that lobe does and and what it is and they make things for museums. You know, they make talking kind of exhibits and, and very tactile exhibits for museums. And I thought that was very cool, touching the brain and mm. feeling what it did. I didn't see that. But that, but that is interesting. Um, I did notice um, on the Twitter feed that, that Amazon and, and Microsoft and Google were there. And, and let me ask Arum this, the people that have, that have gone to see some before, have the have like big companies like that that aren't at companies ever gone to season before or is this new 
Well, I've seen I've seen Apple at, at uh, the show before. Um, I don't I don't recall seeing the others though. Yeah, this. I think Microsoft and Google have been there the last couple of years at least. Yeah, the, well, that's great. Yeah, yeah I keep in great. mind too. I haven't been for the last mm-hmm. few years too. Sure. So, right? yeah. so this, and I've never been before. So we did. My impression, and, and much to my surprise, because this was my first ever time at CSUN, and it, and I've been so looking forward to to going there, and you know, expecting to see exactly what I've heard about all these years. You know, all these assistive technology mm-hmm. companies displaying their wares, and and I, it was shocking to me to to get there this year, and the three biggest displays <laughs> were, you know, uh, Google, Apple, and Microsoft. Or not, not Apple, but Google, um, Amazon, and Microsoft. So that that really shocked me because now, and I'm even starting to change how I talk about technology because I'm I'm now refer or try starting to refer more to accessible and assistive technology because I think we're seeing much more in the area of accessible mainstream technology coming out, and we certainly saw it here, VFO or uh, Vispero Group did not have the biggest booth there uh, you know it's now the mainstream guys that are sort of taking center stage yeah that's well i mean well, that's no vispero vispero had three big booths oh did they okay yeah. i didn't go over to theirs yeah because they, they they're now they, they had them broken down by enhanced vision systems freedom scientific and optelec um, so those are okay. all they they all had their own separate presence and they were all the same size they were pretty big okay now what kind of what kind of stuff did they have at these different booths the microsoft amazon and um Google. Uh, at amazon they had the fire tablets and the lady i talked to did know about voice view and braille braille support for that they had um the cube i think it's called the little little thing that i didn't really check that the cube but they had you know the echoes and the dots like those all right. those ones and but they did seem to send people who knew about accessibility. Microsoft, I didn't look at equipment there or anything there. I was talking to them about how I had bought a Surface Go last summer and how accessible it was right out of the box. And again, they knew, they um, they gave me a Braille guide to narrator. So it just tells you how to get started right. with it and, you know, things like that. So I don't know if they had actual technology there i i was just talking to them um and the google people i was just talking to them about why their braille support is not good yet <laughs> good for you and uh, they kept saying it's coming it's coming which they keep saying yeah. and yes. also why isn't lookout available in canada and why are certain things not available why isn't you know things like that so i didn't check their tech but i imagine they had you know they had phones and they had you know all of their their smart speakers and that there but mostly when i went there they wanted to talk to blind users about how they felt about their products so that's what i was doing and i don't know about you albert you went around there a bit too yeah and the other thing that microsoft was focusing quite a bit on what seemed to be their xbox yeah and the accessibility of, of that device yeah a lot of their games or the consoles now have talking menus and yeah, so they're working quite hard on that. Yeah, and they were showing uh, their their games in use with switch interfaces as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. and you're seeing, certainly seeing a huge transition of, you know, the Echo 
Kim mentioned the Cube. Well, you know, that's a device like an Apple TV, but it's the Android side. And, you know, you can sit back on your couch and, and ask it to do all manner of thing. You know, there's smart TVs and, you know, the Amazon Echo being installed or the... Uh, I can't uh, can't mention her name, but you know they're they're putting that kind of technology in all of their devices going forward. So yeah. there's a lot of focus on that kind of stuff. And I was impressed that the people that were at the booths knew, like they didn't just send some token person and they say, oh well, you know, they should. Oh, I yes, I I program narrator, I work on, you know, Braille for this or that. I you should talk to this person. This person works on. So that impressed me that the people they sent were not just warm bodies at a booth. I mean, mm, they really, right. they were involved in it, so they actually knew, you know, good. and that was good. You know, one of the things that, that surprised me with all the, the sessions that were there, um, I found that, you know, I went to one of the Microsoft sessions and it was a sales seminar mm. and yeah. didn't learn anything there at that session that I hadn't already read the day before in, in the articles yeah. that I read. Uh, same with, you know, Google. So I, I I quickly determined that I wasn't going to go back to another one of those commercial <laughs> sessions, um, you know, because all of that stuff I'm able to read on their website. But, you know, some of the other sessions like Lighthouse San Francisco and their corporate web, web testing, you know, client-based web testing uh, stuff uh, agreements that they've put together. And, you know, we, there were some really interesting sessions about organizations and and businesses out there doing, you know, frontline work uh, around accessibility. And so those were the sessions that I tended to focus on after I saw a couple of the, the big commercial ones. Well, it's interesting, you know, Albert, you talking about that, because that's a lot of what I saw on the Twitter feeds following the CSUN hashtag was, you know, businesses and accessibility and inclusivity. There weren't a lot of product announcements, which I was really surprised about. So it's good to see. Well, I think Out, Outlook or Lookout was yep. probably about the only announcement of anything new that occurred around CSUN, wasn't it? Well, they announced yeah. the Braille Note Touch Plus, I think, there, right? right? Humanware right. did. So that, that, that was announced there, although rumor had it that it was coming. But I don't know that there was, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know that there was anything else. And there used to be a lot. You know, yeah, yeah it, it used to be the place to to show new products. Yeah, everybody tried to scramble to get their stuff ready at least by, you know, at least a prototype mm -hmm. for for CSUN. Well, what's been new and revolutionary in the last year or two? Right, like really nothing. All we're all we're seeing now really is a lot of tweaking of what That's right. what has been. Yeah, you know, even some of I, I heard I overheard some people chatting can't remember who it was or where it was, but you look at a lot of the products, you know, they've got a folding this or a, a portable that, but it's got a new name, but it's a rejigged, slightly tweaked thing that two years ago was being sold as, mm -hmm. you yes, know, blah, blah, right. blah. So the, yeah, that's what we're seeing now, I think in assistive tech, we've got all this stuff, it's in our, our pockets and our backpacks are full of it, but people are tweaking and amalgamating and, and marrying things together so, you know, when, where's the next revolution going to yeah. come from? Mm, I don't know, but we didn't see it come out this year at CSUN. I, no. I think the apps are what seem to be more revolutionary now in the last little while, right? It's going to be an app of some, you know, like Seeing AI was or Soundscapes when it comes to Canada. Maybe um, um, Lookout probably for Android is going to be pretty interesting. You know, things are becoming 
I think that's it because it's not the device like what what device do we need now that we don't have. It's more the apps and I think the next big revolution will be indoor navigation once that's sort of mm -hmm. better mm -hmm. um, handled or better un dealt with. That's better, my better big solution plan. found. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think so. And, yeah. and I think you're, uh, that's my sense. That was the, you know, just getting around CSUN as a first time uh, attendee, it, it was tough. Even trying it with Ira, you know, the the feed kept breaking down. They'd they'd be constantly refreshing the the video feed, uh, and it it would just fall off completely sometimes. Well, you it think just was... and and even because of the lack of indoor wayfinding technology, I found sometimes that the agents had a heck of a time figuring out where I was in relation to where I wanted to go. Hmm. Yeah. They couldn't see anything more than what the camera could show them in, right. in front of me. And so I found them sending me left at an intersection when it was right, I should have gone hmm. and or the, you know, in the wrong direction altogether. Yeah, they so had no, they had no beacons. They had no beacons, which surprised me. And they didn't have even a braille map. Like I'm surprised when they had that, um, that company that I told you about the, the Not map company. Lives. The map company, the T map or whatever, but oh. they didn't make a map of the floor because if I'd known the layout, I didn't know till the last day that we weren't standing near a wall, that it was actually a temporary wall and there were exhibits on the other side of it. I didn't know that until the last day when I was looking for APH or um, immersive to see the new buzz clip. Um, and again, I wish I'd had a tactile map of. The, the lay of the land because I would get so confused by where I was and what was around me. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, you're talking about indoor navigation and, you know, there's companies like iBeacons and Right Here and, you know, these other companies that are working on indoor navigation and tactile maps. I'm surprised that none of this was set up beforehand and sent out to people yeah. or even a map or an app you could install on your phone to have, you know, like Soundscape maybe guide you throughout or However, that would yeah, work. I mean that yeah, would have been ideal. Now, it certainly was something I was expecting to find at CSUN, and, and I was quite surprised when it didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Now, what was, sorry, one other quick question. I'm just curious: Did Ira have quite a big presence there? They had their table was three three booths. You know, there were three sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, so they're they're quite sizable. There were a lot of people using it. I, I was seeing people walking around yeah. using it all the time. I yeah. imagine the network congestion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was bad. It kept dropping. I yeah. I wasn't impressed with it. It wouldn't make me subscribe, like for sure not, because they kept dropping and. Um, well, I think, also, I, I think they weren't, you can't necessarily yeah, they weren't blame knowing them for which that. way you no. were going sometimes, like Albert said. Yeah, because you've got you've to have the, the network bandwidth to support that many users using it all the time. And I think everybody was piggybacking off of mm. the CSUN um, wireless Wi-Fi. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> crash. There's, repeat, there's repeaters all over the place. There's the odd dead spot in that Wi-Fi. That, that's not an area problem. That's a, that's no, just no, that's else. Not an a typical Wi-Fi yeah. problem. But I did, but I did have a, a good conversation with Jonathan. We, you know, we talked, I talked about the Canadian reality with, with ARA. I mean, we still don't have a, an access location anywhere in Canada. You know, the only thing we've seen so far is that uh, CNIB bought a brick of time for their Braille conference last fall. 
just earlier in, in March, uh, we had a transportation forum in New Westminster and the federal government purchased um, an IRA location, a brick of time for, the IRA, for IRA on the 6th of March, just for that one day event that they were sponsoring. But other than that, we're not seeing any movement yet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with with Ira and Canada, so you know they're working hard at it. Marty Watts and the gang there on the sales team are trying. You know, they're they're talking to BC Ferries, they're talking to YVR. So there there's some there is some behind the scenes movement going on, but we just haven't seen it come to fruition just yet. And until there is, I don't think you're going to see very many like huge numbers of Canadian no. subscribers. Um, and I did ask them too about the um, you know the whole uh, French French language. Uh, agents and that sort of thing and you know those are a couple of things the spanish and french are going the spanish first of course because uh, it's very much a second language in america uh, but here in canada they're aware of the need for french and they're it's on their radar they're they're working toward that looking at that in their recruitment practices but they don't want to be saying to people that they offer the service in french unless they're going to be able to do sure. a really good and solid and safe job of it. Yeah, that's fair. Hey Steve, why don't you tell the fine folks about Canadian Assistive Technology? Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is a Canadian-based distributor of, guess what, Assistive Technology. I would not have guessed that. Uh, really? Oh, i got to work something better into the name then. <laughs> um, and uh, we do uh, all kinds of low vision and blindness aids, as well as all kinds of physical access aids and uh, accessible furniture, you name it. Visit our website at www.canastech.com. Rick, let me ask you about this. Chaos Technical Services. Chaos Technical Services. Don't sound so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Speaking of repairs. We are the sister company to Canas Tech. Um, we do the repairs on uh, low vision devices, uh, uh, reading machines uh, for libraries, braille printers, and pretty well anything in between. We can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. So, Steve, what about you? Well, you know, I've, I've got to, I've got to uh, say the Canute would have been at the top of my list. As Already well. done. Yeah. Move on. So, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for stealing that one, Albert. Yeah, uh, but uh, another another one that I saw that really was a standout for me was uh, a, a, a printer called the uh, Tactile Plus printer. Uh, it's made by a Japanese company. I've forgotten the, the name of the manufacturer of off the top of my head, but um, um, you know we've we've handled uh, thermal uh, tactile graphic products in the past, and they all basically work off of a pretty simple system. You've got a, a specialized paper called uh, ammonia capsule paper, uh, which is sold under a few different brand names like PF paper or Thermoform paper, or you know there's there's various ones. Um, and the way it works is you you take uh, you take the paper and you either draw on it with something that's got carbon in it, like a like a, a charcoal pencil or something, uh, or you laser print onto it with a with a laser printer that has the, the the toner typically has carbon in it, and then you take that paper and you run it through a glorified toaster, and that toaster heats up the paper evenly, and wherever there's there's carbon on it, it reacts with the the uh, ammonia encapsulated in the paper and it puffs up well the downside to that technology has always been resolution uh, you know you, you can't do really fine resolution with it um, 
and uh, you can't really do braille all that effectively with it at normal at normal braille sizes. Um, so this printer, what they're doing is they're using the the thermal paper, um, but they're hitting it directly with a laser, and uh, they have a. Uh, a um, resolution of 300 dots per inch which is equivalent to you know your your typical laser printer uh for for print printing um prints a page in about 60 to 110 seconds depending on you know the size and you know how how much detail that you've got um uh connects via usb to windows windows computers only right now um but uh you can you can print directly on onto the paper and uh they can vary the intensity of the laser and they actually have five different heights hmm. whereas the other uh tactile uh stuff is is all one height so it, it's much higher resolution you can be much more detailed with with tactile graphics um it was it was really is, is this something cool. that's not marketed right now or is this it is a, yeah yeah really yeah I'm sorry what's what's the name of the company tactile, uh, hang on. tactile plus tactile plus printer Cause I, I, I'm, I think we, I think I've heard yeah, of that. Tactileplusprinter.com. I'm a bit surprised there weren't any 3D printers there because they're becoming so big. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, there, I, I didn't, I didn't see anybody doing 3D printing, and uh, I was at the Canadian Vision Teachers, or sorry, the uh, uh, Saskatchewan Vision Teachers Conference a few weeks back, and there was a guy out there who, who typically does the Vision Teacher shows with a 3D printer. And, He's, he's got one of the more more popular booths. Yeah, there were quite a few of these graphics printing kinds of booths at CCM. I don't know that I saw saw that specific one you you're mentioning. But yeah, there was also uh, there was View Plus there with their Tiger line of embossers, which which do uh, um, you know uh, basically graphics using uh, al almost a. A braille head but not quite they they uh, can do finer resolution than just braille and there are a bunch of you know people with braille printers that can do tactile graphics um uh, american thermoform was there they had the uh, repertronics uh, tactile graphic system uh humanware was there they've got the pf so yeah there were there were a number of different people but most of them were using that older right. that older technology yeah, but this one was laser based. That that sounds yeah. really cool. And that's yeah. a little bit of a leap forward for sure. Yeah, yeah, and it's a one I, one step. I also instead went of a two to step. Um, National Braille Press and I to see the Braille Me, but also the B2G is still there. I noticed they brought it down from twenty two hundred to eleven hundred dollars. Wow. Um, the Android version is still really old, and I said, "Well, why don't you update it?" They said, "We never have to update it because we built certain apps." So. I don't totally understand the reasoning or whether that's a good thing or not. Um, the quality of that braille was also very nice. The braille on it was nice. Sorry, I just don't know. Um, sorry, this is the braille me that you're talking about? B2G. No, the B2G. Oh, B2G, okay. Uh, which came out a couple of years, what, Steve, do you remember? Three years ago, maybe? Oh, I don't, I'm not familiar with that one, to be honest. National Braille Press makes it themselves. <laughs> So it's like a Braille note taker, but it's based on an Android um, tablet or something. Oh, is, is that the one the B, that... B2G stands for Braille to go. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the go. one that Dean Blasey worked on with them, if I recall. Yeah, Dean Blasey did work on yeah. it. Yes, he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was kind of interesting. They had both of those over there. Kim, um, as, a, as a Braille reader, what was your impression of the Braille Me? Because that's the new kid on the block. 
I felt the Braille itself felt plasticky. I didn't like the feel of its Braille. But I liked that it had cursor routing keys. Um, Comparing I it- didn't get a chance to play with it that, that much. I, I sort of prefer the Braille on the Orbit, which I've tested um, okay. fairly lengthily. Um, but I don't like that the Orbit doesn't have cursor routing keys. So right. um, I just didn't like the quality of the Braille, but the... Um, guy at national braille press said they're thinking of replacing it with braille like on the on the b2g so that braille was very nice if they did actually change the cells to something i might uh i might enjoy it i i just wish we were able to play with these long enough to make a decision you know sometimes you can't yeah have them for a while to make a decision how do they stay paired and how well do they work with certain screen readers and yeah, the you know, all ask, of that? Yeah, the reason I ask is because the BrailleMe was coming in around the $500 U.S. price range as well, right, to compete with the yeah, Orbit. Yeah, it is. So. It's the only one right now, well, mm-hmm. that we know because the Orbit seems to be missing. Well, yeah, and I wanted to ask about that because Orbit, Orbit Orbit's research been missing was, for two years. <laughs> or, orbit research was, was there. Was, did they give any? They weren't there. Yeah, oh, they weren't they, there. They actually were. They didn't have oh, a booth, were they? but they were there. Oh. Yeah, I did, I oh, did speak with them, and I've, I've uh, been exchanging emails with, uh, or I, I just fired off an email this morning to uh, the guy who was there. Uh, to ask him more about it, and and uh, I sent Ryan the email to try and get him onto the podcast as well. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it makes you wonder what what's know. going on with them. I don't know what the, the problem is. I know they're sort of like APH said because I went to the booth and asked, "Can I see the Orbit too? And can I see the Graffiti, which is the graphical one?" Mm-hmm. They said, "No, we don't have them at the table." And they had them at the table last time, I'm sure. And then I said. Um, well, why? Well, we're fixing up problems, and that's why we don't have them at the table. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's problems with orbit research or problems with units or problem. I don't know what the problems are, but they were so excited about them, and now they seem to be kind of. I don't know, Steve. You might know more than me. I couldn't get anything else out of them than that. Well, the only thing I've heard is that the reason we don't have them here in Canada yet is because there were issues with a pin or some pins sticking. And maybe they not were refreshing. sticking when I tested. So, yeah, and so they, they, they were always it. sticking. But the unit I have, the last unit I got, which I still have because I was testing it, they were not sticking. Hmm. Um, so I'm not sure if they're arguing about price points, if they're arguing about distribution numbers, or if there's some other issue that we don't know. Yeah. One issue I heard they had, and that's just a rumor, was that the oil they were using in it to lubricate it didn't like cold climates but i don't know if that's true or not hmm. time will tell <laughs> need some of that nascar high for viscosity motor oil <laughs> yeah yeah uh well what uh, did anybody see anything there that you just thought was neat yeah yeah i did actually i saw a um pair of glasses uh, that had, um, uh, they, they were using, uh, it was like virtual reality glasses, um, similar to Google glasses, but unlike Google glasses, they were actually painting the image on your retina with a laser. I've heard of that. I've heard of this. And I actually got to put them on and, and, and try them, which was, which was kind of funky. Uh, I was, I was really impressed with the resolution of it. I, I didn't think that it would be that high resolution, um, it's like uh, 1024 by 600, I think. 
Um, now, this has actually some <clears throat> fairly <clears throat> big implications, if I remember correctly, because because doesn't this the the lasers or whatever is projecting the image? It's projecting it directly on the retina, so it's bypassing the the cornea, right? So for for those people with say vision problems, with with something to do with the cornea, this would actually completely bypass that. Is that yep. am I correct? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it goes it goes right on past and goes gets painted directly onto uh, the the back of the eye. Um, it's uh, it's it's pretty slick, you know. I don't know if it was psychosomatic or not, but I felt like I could feel it. <laughs> um, wow. Like it, it was, it was kind of a weird sensation to, to have it on. It wasn't, it wasn't the same as, you know, looking at a virtual reality screen. It, it you could see it perfectly clearly, but it, it, it almost felt kind of warm so was it was it essentially like a, a heads-up display like what was it what like what did yeah you it was see? it was a heads-up display so you basically had an image that was overlaid over what you were looking at that is so freaky yeah so it was ar and vr or just vr uh ar it was AR. yeah okay yeah were there others there showing AR as well because it's been a hot topic this year uh, no, know, wearables, no, 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 they really weren't. I mean, there were a bunch of head-worn CCTV systems. Oh, really? um, yeah, that seems to be really the hot. Mm -hmm. I mean, where we've been saying that all year. Mm -hmm. These wearables is the is the new sexy. Yeah, and and it was surprising that that some of the guys who um, are in that market weren't at CSUN. Um, like like um, CyberEyes wasn't there. Oh really? Oh really? Um, huh. And uh, who's the guys who... Uh, Iris Vision? I, uh, no, Iris Vision was there. Really? Um, Esight was there. Esight was and there. And so was uh, Orcam, too. Orcam. Yeah. Right. And uh, there was one from Zumax. They had a head-worn. Optelec was showing a, a head-worn system. Um, but um, New Eyes. New Eyes wasn't there. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah there, I actually Speaking found out that they were supposed to be showing a new product. Things, I did... Um, these aren't these aren't they are commercially available not in canada yet but i i did buy some um um shades by uh Bose. so they are sunglasses and on the side of the arms there are speakers in front of your ear so it's almost like as if you used aftershocks but you're actually wearing you know mm -hmm. dark glasses and you have the speakers i've loved them i've only had them a few days my aftershocks had broken and i was thinking of getting some more and then when Jason Fair told me they were there and um, they have sensors in them too that eventually with soundscapes and apps, if you turn your head, they're going to be able to know that you did that and tell you what's in front of your hmm. your face like based on that. So um, I find them really cool. They um, The sound quality is excellent and um, they're easy to use and they're comfortable on my face and I seem to be able to hear well with the little speakers you know, in front of your ears. It's not really bone conduction but um yeah i i'm i'm liking them a lot you know and they're not in canada but they'll come soon i think to canada and because this is a csun program they weren't actually available at csun with Jason took an $8 Uber ride to go and, uh, and find a Bose store. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but well, they weren't actually at CSUN, although, right. although there's certainly a partnership with Ira and, and the Bose glasses. And um, Microsoft had them at times if someone who had them happened to be at the booth because they were promoting them as well for uh, 
soundscapes. But you know, the other device like that too, Kim, the Sony had an interesting sound device. Yes. I don't know what they called it, It's but it folded up like a pair of glasses, but you actually wore this thing around your neck and you could yeah. Bluetooth your sound into it. And it just sounded like you were sitting in amongst the, you know, a room full of speakers. Really? And then if you wanted privacy, you could pop the earbuds into your ears and, and just have the sound going directly into your ear and not, not coming out of this plastic device you're wearing around your neck. It was really quite yeah, interesting. That Not was that was cool. but in, in Japan for now, but it's coming. Mm. It yeah. was cool. That was I saw that too. That was interesting. But again it's interesting when companies sort of band together that Ira and Bose or that Microsoft and Bose are saying right. this would be good for this. Right. You know, these would be good for soundscapes or Sony might get together with, you know, someone and say, these particular headphones would be great for I don't know, uh, Nearby Explorer, some app or Blind Square or something. It, that to me is interesting. Again, it comes back to that mainstream That's right. piece, you know? Oh, and uh, the other thing that was really interesting too, you guys, was the Nearby Explorer. So APH, is it AP? Yeah, APH have spun off or are about to spin off Nearby Explorer to a, a for-profit company. Like they're going to run it. It's going to be, you know, like Frontier Computing is to CNIB. It's going to be a, a for-profit company owned by APH, huh. and um, they they assume that the the plan is they'll be able to get at more development dollars in in more ways to continue to develop Nearby Explorer. And and certainly one of the really big pushes that Nearby Explorer is doing now is this indoor Explorer. So they're certainly going to be or appear to be at this point one of the front runners in the development of, of indoor wayfinding navigation. So I'm, I'm really anxious and excited to see what they might be able to do as, as that further develops. They did have the conference space mapped and I did try it. Um, it would tell me where I was and what was beside me. But again, as usual with indoor navigation, I couldn't find any way to actually plan a route. Like I could know what was beside me, but if I wanted to go to a certain conference room it wasn't giving me turn by turn you know when you need to go here this is what you do uh, i guess that's the big barrier still and um but it did it was pretty accurate in when i had it on it would say you're beside this ballroom or you're beside this entrance and it, that worked okay but it just couldn't give me any turn by turn guidance Yeah, there's uh, another company that stood out for me as well, um, a company called Tech for Freedom. Uh, they're out of Barcelona, Spain, uh, and they were showing two products. Um, one of them is called the uh, UFO, which stands for Universal Find One, uh, which is basically a, a little disc, um, and it's a, a, a little, little device that you can connect your phone to. And you can set it up to do a bunch of bunch of different things. So some of the examples that they used were uh, things like uh, family care. You know, say say you're a, a blind person who's got kids, you could basically take one of these things and stick it in your kid's pocket, and your phone would start to beep if the kid got too far away from you. Oh wow! And you could you could you know then holler get your butt back here, or you could uh, potentially press a button on your phone and have it 
have the the beacon itself start start beeping so that you could you could locate your kid. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, they also um, had the example of you can you can have the beacon beep as you approach it. So say you're staying in a hotel room and they don't have braille on the doors, you could just take one of these beacons, put it inside your door, and then as you got close to your room, it would start beeping oh. at you so you'd know which which room you uh, you were uh, doing oh, that's a cool um, idea see if i would have put one of those in my kids pocket they would have taken the thing out and put it on a counter somewhere and walked away from it <laughs> probably <laughs> put it on the I, I just have a vision of everybody at csun putting them with the person they're with and then all these going out <laughs> all these beeps all over the place yeah uh, the other uh, another example they had was uh, if you if you took two of them uh, you could have them beep at intervals uh, and the example they used there was for, you know, Spain, everybody's soccer crazy out there, right? So they have blind soccer. So you could put one on either net just to keep people oriented. And I got to thinking about you, Ryan, and, and you know, playing blind uh, hockey. Blind hockey. <laughs> you know, how helpful would it have been to know where the net Where the was? boards were? Are you over the concussion yet? I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that was that was that was one of their products, and then the other one they had was uh, it, it's not released yet. It's uh, it's called uh, One for All Box, and it's 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 like the most Star Trekky damn thing that I've, I've I've seen. It's got all of these different sensors built into it, so it does uh, color recognition, uh, it does uh, near field communication for for. Um, uh, you know, those RFID tags, like oh, the, right. like the pen friend and, and things like that, where you can, you know, stick a sticker on something and identify it. Right. Um, it's got a, uh, distance proximity sensor on it. So you can judge distances, how far you are from something. Um, and it's very, very accurate for that. Um, it's got, um, uh, uh, the ability to tell you humidity, temperature, ambient light. You can use it as a medical thermometer by sticking it under your arm, for example. Um, it's got a compass built into it. It's got a light source and light intensity detector. Uh, so is this like a wearable or what would It's you just a little handheld device. Handheld, okay. Yeah. Oh, and it'll act as an emergency charger for your smartphone as well. <laughs> Very important. So, yeah, really, really cool little, uh, little thing. Comes with... Um, Comes with uh, fifty uh, of the tags and uh, and two uh, two beacons to to use with it as well. It's brilliant. So, yeah, yeah, it's a neat. You'll have that in the show notes, so we can go check that out. You betcha. Yeah, yeah. I know you talked to the tap keyboard people that before on this podcast. They were right beside us, and there were many many people looking at uh, tap. And I would love a braille version of the tap if oh. they ever made one, because it makes sense. You wouldn't have to learn different codes. You could just do your Braille on your That's on your true. Desk. Right. Actually, that is really true. Yeah. And I've got to tell you guys, I, I listened to that podcast you guys did when you when you interviewed her a while back. And gosh, they've got to be like the nicest, most diplomatic, perfect people in the world. It, <laughs> we, we, we were in the booth right beside them, watching them. And my Gosh, they did a great job with everybody at wherever those, wherever the customer was, wherever, whatever they wanted, they were just immensely patient. Yeah. It, it was a, it was a, a, 
just a heck of a show of it to stand beside them and watch. They and they were very nice to deal with. I mean, they uh, they sent us a, a demo unit to, yep. for for us to play with and stuff, and uh, very accommodating. Yeah, great people, and it's a it it is a really great idea in terms of of a device. Well, and I don't think it would be hard for them to implement, you know, UEB or any Braille code for that matter, because it is customizable. If you don't like, you know, That's the right. pattern for the letter J, you can go in and change that pattern. So it would just be a matter of them entering the codes in. Yeah, but what, what like Kim and what Jason Fair also talked to them about is to have, you know, three of those rings for each fan, for each hand. And, and one for each thumb. Say you had four. Yeah. Well, even the five, because then you could do enter and delete with your little fingers. Yeah, I was just going to say. You, you just have to do it differently, but um, well, I think that would be really good. Well, the tap strap is a set of five rings. You wear one on each finger. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You yeah. just have to have two of them. And, and they do have, there's going to be a big update coming up in the next week or two. They, they did announce that to everybody. Uh, so there's there's all kinds of tweaks and things that they've done to, mm -hmm. to increase the efficiency of the device. So look for an update firmware update coming up very soon nice and i i will say on our other side we're the dot watch people and i i have not been and i i am not still not impressed with that braille project for at all really um i don't like the braille and they don't really consult blind people in the way they construct these things i feel so yeah. and they weren't interested in talking to us i asked <laughs> them well i asked them what uh, what braille what um formats you could read on the tablet thing that they had and they didn't know and i asked them well what braille do you use is it can you change it is it contracted uncontracted ueb and they didn't know they said oh we'll have to ask someone and get back to you so hmm. <laughs> that wasn't uh that wasn't too impressive to me but steve i think you said did you say you liked the little tablet one or was it you or someone? Well, the the little tablet. Well, basically, they're um, they're billing it as a um, a Braille Kindle. Okay. Um, it, it's a it's meant to be an e-reader. So it's it's six dot Braille, no cursor routing, just a, a mm -hmm. little little device that you can slap a book onto and 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 read it. And I think it's what was it uh, 12, 12 cells? I don't remember. It wasn't. It... Yeah, but the panning keys were way above the display. So if they talked to Braille users, I don't think they would have put the panning keys there. I think they would have um, put them somewhere closer to your hands because you had to move your hands off every time you changed a line. Yeah, yeah, that that was a little odd. And, it, you know, it's almost like they've built the device with without ever looking at any other Braille device that's ever been I think, built. I the think product. they did. Ooh, you know, yeah. I sort of think so. I know someone uh, said, Ed, the people from Bristol Braille said, they just need to walk down this hall and talk to five people and they'll tell them. Because they said the Braille is actually nice. They said if they just talk to you know, 10 people here, they'd have a great device. You know, they just hmm. have a really good device. But um, yeah. anyway. Yeah. And then just to, to, you know, because that, that was where we spent quite a bit of our time was in, in the exhibit hall at the booth. We were we were there with Markito Inc. Uh, it's M-A-R-K-I-D-O. And they've produced um, a, a plug-in for PowerPoint that if you're a blind person, receiving a PowerPoint by email from a boss or a, a professor or whatever, it, it, you know, when, we, when we take a PowerPoint presentation and try and save it in, in Word so that we can get access to it and use it with our screen reader, very often you're not getting 
you're only getting a fraction of the information that's there. So what Marketo Inc. has done is they've created this plugin called Engage that you can install on your computer in seconds. And uh, you know, when you open up a PowerPoint presentation in PowerPoint, you just simply do a quick uh, shift control T and it converts it to RTF. It pulls out. Shift control R, isn't it? Yeah, it's oh, one of sorry. those two. And, I think it's uh, shift control R. And it uh, it does a it converts it to and saves it as an RTF or, or opens it up in an RTF mm -hmm. file that gives you all the info that was in the PowerPoint. It pulls any tables and graphics and and that sort of thing. It just creates a really usable, readable PowerPoint very quickly. Mm -hmm. And also for the content creators you can run um, uh, for the, the paid version you can run it through an accessibility checker that'll tell you where all of the accessibility issues are in your powerpoint right. so that you can fix it before you actually send it out there so yes. they've, they've got a an interesting little app that's free to us and users but you know it, it, lots of our government departments uh, federally are are using that app now to make sure that their powerpoints go out the door accessible man that's good and now it's a Canadian company from Ottawa. Well, yeah, nice. he, he brought us with him, a bunch of us, so we were nice. grateful for that. Um, there were also a lot of uh, consulting tables, uh, tables of people consulting or helping people make websites. There was a lot of those mm -hmm. there. Yeah, yeah, lots of accessibility, just general accessibility companies. You know, oh, yeah. let's make your documents accessible, let's make your right. website accessible, those sorts of things. And that's that's good. I mean, and that's likely a result of, you know, the movement that we've seen um, with businesses that, you know, accessibility has become a hot, a hot topic for a lot of businesses. Yeah. So that's good. That's all. That's all excellent news. I do want to touch on, you know, you, Rob, you referenced wearables a little earlier. Is there anything new going on with items like the buzz clip? I saw the second generation buzz clip. I think Albert saw it as well. Um, I hadn't seen it before. I'd only seen the first one. I really liked it. It's much more sturdy. Um, it has the cane mount, so you could actually attach it to your cane. It had also a handle that you could hold if you wanted to just hold it in your hand as opposed to clipping it on. Um, I didn't try it, but I was impressed with its durability. It felt much more durable than the than the first version did. Right. Um, yeah, I thought it was quite good. I I was impressed, but I didn't I didn't test it out, so I don't know about its capabilities. But it seems that they've thought that through quite well. I, did you test it, Albert? Well, I played around with it at the booth a little bit. I, you know, my I, I would love to have something like that, but I don't know. Gosh, have single I? single purpose little device like that at 250 bucks is just rich that's just really rich have either of you tried the senior band not yet no i, will. I have one uh that via rail gave me but i i haven't it's been such a terrible winter that i haven't yeah. played with it as now it's starting to get a bit nicer i think i'm gonna make sure i spend some time with the senior band we've heard um we've heard rumblings of uh of a product called um we walk which is a it's a smart cane you guys did, did they they happen to be at season did you notice them no that's the teenage girl wasn't that, that's it, i think so yeah that's right um but what i did hear from someone who looked at it like a mobility person said at the moment they didn't feel that it was durable and durable enough for heavy use you know it might have been developed thinking that blind people 
didn't whack their canes around as much as we do. But I don't know. No, they weren't there. Or did you see Steve? You didn't see them. Did I, I didn't see them. I, I just heard them talked about. That was it. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So there, it's it is getting some buzz, eh? It is getting some buzz. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we should really see if we can, Ryan. We should see if we can get them on the show. We're now looking at June, so. Yeah, well, get to work, buddy. <laughs> hey, April and May are booked. So. We're so popular. That's right. Good for you. So, well, I, I don't know, Steve, did anybody walk up to you at CSUN and say, oh, my God, Steve Barkley, I recognize your voice? <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> not. Eh? You know, I did have that once at CSUN, uh, a guy from the, uh, from the southern U.S. went, hey, you're the Mountbatten guy. <laughs> Because I recorded a bunch of videos for the government of Alberta on the Mountbatten Brailler. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I guess uh, he mm -hmm. was a humanware rep and he referred people to those videos all oh, the time. That's funny. So. Well, you just wait. Next year, we'll, we'll have a booth. Me and, do, me and Ryan will do a live stream. We'll all do a live, a live show from the, from the floor from the of show season. Floor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, just that whole voice recognition, because I, I do listen also to the uh, the Blind Bargains podcast. And mm -hmm. So I'm standing there in, in the garden, you know, the one of the eateries in the hotel. I uh, was standing at the end of the line waiting for my food, and I heard this voice. I thought, Joe? Joe Steinkamp? Is that, <laughs> that you? So there he was, him and Ricky standing there waiting for their food. So we nice. uh, got to chat with them a little bit. And then the same with J.J. Maddow. I, I was... Look, checking out the canoe at uh, APH, and he was standing there with his hands all over the thing. So, got a little chat with those two, you know, podcasters yeah. out there. Was there was there anybody there showing haptics? Uh, not that I well, buzz clip, you know, but that's somewhat. No, but not yeah. like the haptic but shoes haptic or these touch haptic screens, haptic shoes, haptic canes. No, I I don't think so. No. Yeah, there did, was. Did anyone else uh, see haptic? Yes, yes. Hang on. Uh, let me just find my notes. I here. didn't notice any, but Steve. You no, know, because that's been another you know buzzword in the last year as well, right? Ah, uh, what was the name of that company? Hang on a sec. I did put them in my notes. I don't know. I just feel like somebody they still really need to crack the code. Mm -hmm. yep. Somebody really yeah. needs to come out yeah. and. You're right. Really, we're waiting for that next big revolution. Yeah, we are. And it could got to be just around the corner, but we just don't know exactly what it's going to look like. That's right. You know, you know what? Maybe I didn't. There, there was a there was a company. They were European. I don't remember exactly where they were from, but they had, uh, they basically had taken uh, tablets, uh, well, a tablet and a phone, and they had overlaid it with a bumpy surface. So they put all these bumps all, all across the the surface in in a grid pattern. And then uh, they had a bunch of software that they developed for it. And you could do things like throw a graphic up on it. And then if you ran your finger across the bumps, wherever the graphic intersected the bumps, it would make a noise. And then you could have a decreasing or increasing noise depending on what direction you were going or what, you know, what color it had or, mm -hmm. you know, so um, it was it was meant to be kind of a. Uh, a graphing mapping sort of solution right mm -hmm. but it was not very not very fine resolution for starters mm -hmm. so you couldn't get a lot of detail onto mm -hmm. it at once um it was an interesting idea but i don't think an idea that is necessarily going to go anywhere yeah right? it sounds a bit clunky yeah Hmm. Hmm. Well, I know, you know, even just a few years ago, we talked to that, that European company, Ryan, mm -hmm. uh, about haptic touchscreens yep. and the idea of that, you know, they were trying to develop, um, you know, a touchscreen that had the ability to, you know, where you could feel raised edges on an actual touchscreen through, through haptic simulation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were using the vibration as well. So if you, if you had your, if you, if you basically had the tablet sitting on a table and you ran across the haptics 
for the tablet didn't really end up being all that meaningful. They, they right. weren't very strong. But if you had your hand on the bottom of it, you could feel it a lot, lot easier mm. and, and a lot more distinctly. But uh, I think it has a ways to go yet before. I, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was essentially, though, just a just a repurposed tablet. Right. But it, but it really sounds like in, in a lot of ways, uh, this mirrors um, the mainstream um, tech shows in the sense that what you know, what Albert was saying earlier is that a lot of it's just, you know, fine tuning current technology right. um you know yeah. second generations or third generations of different products as opposed to anything really really big that that's going to really uh set the world on fire with the exception i would say is you know the canute sounds like it's it's poised to really make a big splash yeah, yeah i think so and, and it and it's also a device that's been around for a couple of years, so even that is really being tweaked. We, we've known about it, we've mm -hmm. heard about it, some people have seen it. Now it's really about to you know, be sent out to the world to see you know, what people will do with it. Yeah. I think also they did it right in that they've, they've been developing it for years and testing it, beta testing different prototypes, first just in England near where they were, where they are, and then gradually in other places. So it just goes to show you that you really need to take your time and and do the right thing with it, with something like that, something so new. Yeah, I think he said they've spent something like $4 million so far developing that product. Wow. Wow. There's been a lot of money that's gone into uh, into bringing it to this point. Okay, well, uh, anything else, Steve? What, what else did you see? Uh, saw the uh, the new head-worn system from Zumax, uh, the name of which is now completely vanished from A-Site? A-A-Site. Is that it? Yes, A-Site. A-Site. So apparently they're trying to get in alphabetically ahead of E-Site. <laughs> um, um, so is, is, it, is it pretty similar to it? To well, the e site or the uh the, the the number one selling point for it is it's cheap it, it's considerably cheaper than any of the any of the other head worn systems that are out on the market but that comes with some trade-offs mm -hmm. um the screen isn't as bright as as some of the other ones out on the market the field of view isn't as good as some of the other ones out on the market the one thing it did have that i thought was really interesting was they, they had one unique feature i've not seen on another device and that was edge detection so when you switch to the edge detection mode, like Rob, you're sitting on a futon right now. So there's there's visible edges to that, like the edges of the frame itself, where the where the you know blanket tops out along the along the uh, the back of the futon. Well, what it would do is it would draw white lines around all of those edges. Oh no way! And and it would put it onto a a, a black. Uh, inverse image so you could pick out all of the edges of stuff so if you're you know if you're having trouble with with contrast it'll do things like you know help you find the edges of stairs the edges of tables you know th things like that i haven't seen it done on any other device and and uh, i thought that was a a unique uh, uh feature that it offered and it might be something that that could be attractive to people who are having difficulty with uh you know finding you know edges so yeah I'm, I'm actually looking at a, a picture of it right now and it's interesting it's an interesting design um from everything else which more or less is it's either like a vr all the other devices it's either like a vr headset 
uh, or it's smart glasses, this kind of looks like, it almost looks like those sun visors yeah. that you see people wearing. Yeah. Yeah. In, inside that sun visor, there's, there's two little virtual reality screens. And, uh, you know, like I said, it doesn't have a great field of view, but um, it, it is vastly cheaper than, uh, you know, it's like a quarter of the price of some of the other ones that are out there. Now, and it does the same types of things. It will, all the standard types of things, like it'll zoom, it'll... Magnify. Uh, yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other thing I found out was... Um, uh, what the hell's her name? I've lost him again. Um, the, the head-worn system we used to carry. Um, uh, Jordy? Not Jordy. No, the other one. <laughs> Iris Vision, uh, eSight. Uh, no, the one we had at Aroga. Orcam. Um, uh, new Eyes. New Eyes. Okay. New Eyes. So the other thing I found out is uh, New Eyes, uh, we saw an announcement that mm -hmm. they had a new product, a new visor type of, of yeah. product, similar to the... Uh, uh, iris vision, but with even a wider field of view mm -hmm. than the iris vision. Um, well, I found out one of the reasons why they've gone to that system is because the manufacturer that made the original headset system uh, that they were using, a company called ODG, um, they uh, they went uh, bankrupt. Oh, so they're not able to get that that headset system anymore. So that's unfortunate, right? Because it was it was kind of a cool system, you know. It was a full-on Android device. It had all kinds of all kinds of potential. The new New Eyes product? No. Well, the new New Eyes product. I don't know much about the new New Eyes product. Yeah, because that one supposedly had an eight, a hundred and eight degree field of view. Yeah, which is which is wider than, than yeah. even the Iris Vision, which is uh, up until that point, I believe, was the widest right. field of view on the market. So. Yeah, I'm really really quite interested in mm. seeing that one, mm -hmm. but mm. Uh, but I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Yeah, it's surprising they weren't down at CSUN. Um, I did I did run into uh, Regina, uh, who used to work at Enhanced Vision Systems and was working for them. I don't know if she mm. is anymore. I just saw her, gave her a hug, and, and buggered off to a meeting. But uh, um, so uh, if she's still with them, she was at least there and right. wandering about, but uh, they didn't have a booth. Hmm. So closing thoughts to the room. What what was your impression of, of this year's event as opposed to other years? Um, I think the uh, the venue was a little bit confusing. Um, it wasn't a wasn't a fantastic layout for for this type of event because getting from the lobby through to the exhibit area was a little dodgy. There was it, it was a fairly narrow hallway that was always crowded, so there you know getting through there with a the cane was probably pretty annoying when sessions were letting out because sessions were in that hallway as well. Um, but uh, uh, c seemed a little smaller to me this year than it's been in years past. You know, the exhibit area didn't seem to be as large as it as it used to be. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe that's just my impression and maybe that's just, you know, a uh, optical Belushi, as my friend says, uh, from, you know, the different room sizes. But, uh, yeah, it seems smaller. The one thing I heard, and I think I heard that too, Steve. That you know, in years past, there's been 160 or 180 exhibitors. They were down around 120, 140 or something. This year, it was. Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, certainly. My my impression was that you know how much more we should be calling it an assistive technology conference 
uh, not as much an accessibility, you know, or we need to blend both words in there, accessible and assistive technology. So right. it, it surprised me that it, it was so heavily weighted on the mainstream side, but I, and I'm also quite pleased with that because I think that's all, uh, myself as a blind person, that's all I want is to be able to spend the same money as everybody else and yeah. have access. Yeah, bingo. So I, I was impressed with, with some of that. And yet, thankfully, we still have all of that assistive stuff, the uh, third-party stuff that does give us access where the original manufacturer didn't. So it, it was a, just a really nice blend, and I, I really enjoyed it as a first time out. I, I'm, I think I'm just as anxious to go back again as I was to get there this first time. Yeah, me too. I, I really loved it. I agree that getting around was a bit um, difficult, but I agree I, I did I did love it. Um, I would love to see something like it in Canada. Yeah. I know we're a big country, but I, I would love to work on, if anyone wants to work on organizing something, I would love to help work on that because um, I just think about the people, and we talked about this at one point, how many blind people can afford to go to something like this? 1% maybe or something. And also, I, I just would like to see something here in Canada, uh, a big one, just one, like one big one with workshops and vendors and everything and mainstream and that. I would like to, that, that's what sort of left me with that when I was finished with CSUN. Sponsored by Canadian Assistive Technology. Get on it, Ryan. <laughs> Me? Yeah. Talk to the owner. Well, you know, you're, you're the scheduler. You, you, go, you go create a He's got the money. All right. So if, oh, if, does he? If he does? Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. We I've, I've got a solution. After I've got a solution. If every listener to AT Banter comes and buys a Braille note taker from me. <laughs> we'll have a tech <laughs> conference next yeah, year. Yeah, we'll, we'll be a sponsor. Wait, did you say that every per if every person that listens to the podcast? Yeah. Buys Even those of us who don't read Braille, do we have to buy one? Yeah. Can your mom yeah, afford that? <laughs> 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 and, uh, oh, dear. Uh, yeah. Well, Albert and Kim, we want to thank you so much for uh, helping us out and talking about CSUN today. Thank you so much. We're always happy to... Uh help you guys and i have to go and run a gtt now so well, i have listen. to stay awake a little longer well listen you guys got anything to plug anything anything coming up that uh gtt national call on wednesday will be season yeah the More show oh, won't be up by, we have uh, a beginner's call next next uh tuesday afternoon we're start we started some beginner's calls um, maybe i'll let albert plug that because i do have to run and make sure the room and everything is okay for for our meeting at six o'clock. So um, if you don't mind, I'll just duck out and Albert Perfect. can tell sure. you about the, the okay. stuff. Yeah, thanks, thanks Kim, Kim so much for joining us. Okay. Thanks, Kim. Okay, thanks. Kim. Yeah, as, as Kim mentioned, it, because we've been doing the national conference call monthly on the second Wednesday of every month uh, at 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, so it's 4 p.m. our time, we've decided to do one in, during the day uh, for beginners, trying to just help people get those who get a little bit, um, you know, when, when we get going, a bunch of us who know tech and have used technology for a long time, uh, we can kind of lose beginners pretty quickly. They roll their eyes in the back of their head and they, they get lost in the jargon. So we've decided to step it back a bit and offer a monthly call on the uh, what is it, the third Tuesday of every month, to, but during the day, so it's like 11 o'clock uh, Western or Pacific time. 
I'm just trying to help people get that, you know, who are just getting started and get lost in the jargon. The other thing I want you guys to think about too at, at AT Banter, at Canadian Assistive Tech, the big um, Toronto Experience Expo that uh, uh, that our um, uh, Ian White and the GTT Toronto group have done for the last four years. It was a really nice big show this year. They had 46 exhibitors. Mm. Uh, it was a really, uh, it just a really cool energy in the room. I was there on February the 2nd for that event. And one of the things I've said to, to CCB over the last couple of years, watching the development of Ian's Experience Expo there in Toronto, is that we need something like that in the West. Mm. So the plan is that February 1st, 2020, we may very well do our, our own Experience Expo in Vancouver at the same time that uh, that they're hosting theirs in Toronto. So keep an eye on that. We'll be, we'll be coming to knock on your door to see if you guys want to participate. Well, absolutely. Cool. Sounds awesome. Color us there. Yeah, yeah. We and, uh, you know, any advice you guys might have on, uh, you know, good venues in the area. I'm, I'm looking at the Collingwood <laughs> neighborhood house as a potential. It's close to SkyTrain and, yep. in, and a SkyTrain station that the, the blind folks in the lower mainland already know quite well. So. That's right. Listen, come to the Guitar Dungeon. <laughs> yeah, that's a great venue. We're hoping we need a bigger venue than that yeah. for our first one. Well, you've never been here. You don't know how big it actually is. You're right. It's huge in here. Dungeon, after all. That's right. It's huge. huge, huge, huge. <laughs> I can't even see Steve. <laughs> that's a glare off my forehead, of course. Could be. Well, happy St. Patrick's Day. Well, like Newfoundland St. Patrick's Day, but yeah, yes. good enough. Well, thanks. I'll drink again. to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, sir. We'll make sure uh, we'll include the GTT links and stuff in the show notes as well. And hopefully everything that we've talked about, if I can track everything down. We talked about it a lot. <laughs> so I have my work cut out for me. Good job. They've given the right guy the job. You betcha. <laughs> yeah. All right, sir. Well, we will let you go so you can get on with your day. But uh, thanks again. And uh, let's have you on again soon. You bet. Thank you. Thanks, Albert. Take care, man. What a whirlwind. Yeah. I'm, I'm, like... I'm really glad that we had them join this one and it not just mm -hmm. have been me because everybody takes something different away from a big conference like that, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, some people go and all they do are just the sessions. They don't even right. go into the exhibits. Right. You know, some people do, like me, I just do the exhibits. I, I only went to one session today and I wasn't technically or uh, at the show and I, I wasn't technically supposed to be in there because I didn't pay for the uh, <laughs> the uh, shows but it was it was David McDonald you know mm -hmm. and he was summarizing the Accessible Canada Act so oh really it. oh you went to that I did yeah oh man yeah. oh geez yeah it was good That's I got a whole a, show we could talk about that we've got yeah. it coming up next month yeah so yeah that was that was a good one to be at and just to get a better sense of, of the act and what it means and where it leads from here Excuse me. Uh, okay, well, let me just uh, check the notes here and see if we missed anything that I wanted to talk about. Nope, we're done. See you next week. Bye. Oh, Ryan. Oh, Ryan. You silly bugger. We didn't talk about the Zoom Max, but that's okay. You didn't mention that. But oh, yeah, I was going to. That's okay. Well, yeah. well, we can leave something for next week. Well, I can talk about it now and you can just splice it in wherever. Ooh, sneaky. Sneaky, look at you. And well, Ryan, any other closing thoughts? What do you think? One year. I've been in this industry almost 20 years. One year, I'm getting to CSUN. I'm going to go one day. Well, 
one day. Let's make that one of our goals for next year because I I would love to be able to take both of you down with me next year. I don't want to fly with Ryan. Can I find a different <laughs> flight? <laughs> you, you can. <laughs> we'll put you on Delta flight. No, <laughs> that's right. I could not. I I can't even go through the podcast without peeing. I, I don't know. If I was a dog, I would. I would you not just be. limit your limit your liquid, your liquid intake. intake. Yeah, it's only a three-hour flight down there. I enjoy coffee too much. <laughs> Is it three hours? Is that how much? If you get a taste? direct, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, hey, Rob. Is, <laughs> you, are you responding to hey now? Steve. <laughs> I didn't even. I, Where can okay, people find on. us? Okay, sorry. Hold on. There we go. Hey, Ryan. No. Hey, Rob. What? <laughs> you can't, you Steve. Can't do that. <laughs> hey, Steve. Where? Stop it. Steve. <laughs> this is what happens when we record over an hour and a half. Everyone gets punchy. That's right. Where can people find us, sir? Atbanter.com. Uh, .com. They can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at atbanter.com. Where else can they find us, guys, fellas? Well, how about Facebook? We're on Facebook, aren't we? Yep. Still. Yep. How about Twitter? We're yep. on Twitter, aren't we? Still there, too. How about Instagram? Are we on Instagram? Yep. We're still we there, are too. Are we on Google Plus? Yep. No. We're still there. Google Plus doesn't exist. Is anybody have you kidding? removed us? <laughs> if not, we're still there. I don't think we have to. Have they removed the platform yet? I don't know. I we're probably on MySpace as well. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's probably still up. And and Reddit and uh, yep. Pinterest. And yeah, it's very Reddit, Pinterest. Yeah, we, we're all over the place. Well, we're kind of on Reddit. We're 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 <laughs> dipping our toes into Reddit. There you go. You gotta watch it. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, that's that's it. That's everything. That's it. I think that's a show. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening in, and uh, we'll see everybody next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com or call us toll-free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Whoa, look at that. Master of the one take.